0: hey, I'm Jesse, let's have a devotion. The Israelites have conquered Jericho, and now we see many of those verses and words that I described in a previous devotion that are all allocated toward Rahab. Rahab's salvation in the vital sense and moreover in the long-term soteriological sense was more important than the burning of the city of Jericho. Here's Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had scouted the land, go to the prostitute's house and bring the woman out of there and all who are with her, just as you swore to her. All right, so evidently as the wall collapsed, we know Rahab's house was built onto the wall. So evidently her house remains intact. I think there's something to that. It's an understated miracle, if if my interpretation is correct, that everything fell except for the house of the one who was marked by the scarlet cord in an emulation and foreshadowing of the Passover of which Rahab and her family would partake very quickly in the narrative of Joshua, just wait, you know, uh, a short time. And I, I think that there's something to the fact that if you belong to the Lord in the eternal sense, even though everybody around you suffers the wrath of God, you will be spared. You will be saved. Verse 23, so the young men who had scouted went in and brought out Rahab and her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. Okay, good. So nobody stepped outside. Everybody obeyed what the spies had said. So they brought out her whole family and settled them outside the camp of Israel. We'll go back and, and talk about this momentarily. They burned the city and everything in it, but they put the silver, gold, and the articles, of the bronze, and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. However, Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, her father's family, and all who belonged to her because she hid the messengers Joshua had sent to spy on Jericho, and she still lives in Israel today. This is pretty cool. So we see once again that Rahab's lie is not what is exonerated. It's her treason against a pagan nation and a pagan god, a pagan king in the city of Jericho, uh, and choosing to follow the one true God instead. The verse does not say... Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, her father's family, and all who belonged to her because she lied <laughs> about where the spies were going when she was asked by the king's officials. Rather, it's because she hid the messengers that she was spared. Okay. Uh, and this is a sweet note right here because, you know, this, uh, Rahab's still alive while she's being recorded in the book of Joshua. That's pretty cool. So, as the book of Joshua is being written, Rahab's over there, you know, hanging out with members of her family and her new extended spiritual family. Rahab, at this point too, remember the the ethnicity of Israel was largely the same. During the Exodus, we see that Moses had another wife from Cush. I believe that she was she was an Ethiopian woman. Uh, and in the modern sense of the of the of, the, of our understanding of Cush, and I think that could have led itself to, you know, ethnic diversity within the kingdom of Israel mid-Exodus, but uh, I don't think that Rahab looked like a Kushite woman. I think that she would have been distinctive while she and her family, her extended family, everybody who was in her house when the wrath of God was pouring out on everybody else. I think that when she begins to live among the people of Israel, she physiologically just stands out. And she's a part of Israel. She's she's right there. Uh, she she lives with Israel to the day of the writing of the text. Now let's talk about the the outside of the outside of the, the the camp part. Right now, remember that this is in the Old Testament, and so the Old Testament laws still apply. You still had to obey the the law spelled out by God: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And this space outside the camp, remember, they're still in sort of tabernacle mode, even as they've arrived at the promised land. It's going to be a long time until we establish, uh, you know, the temple and worship in Jerusalem. Worship's going to happen in Shiloh um, for a while and things like that. But uh, here, this is one example of several instances throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the, 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 the law, the books of the law, where there's this prescribed process where you temporarily would be outside of the camp. right? For, for example, here in Leviticus 14, the one who is to be cleansed must wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe with water. He is clean. Afterward, he may enter the camp, but he must remain outside of uh, his tent for seven days. So many of these laws were, I think, hygienic in nature. Long before we see soap invented, I think that the Israelites had soap you know, it contains lye and phosphorus, it contains, you know, ash, it contains all the ingredients you need to make laundry detergent, and it was part of what God prescribed, you know, in in washing ceremonial robes, for example, and uh, this was quarantine long before quarantine was cool, and long before quarantine is no longer cool, like it is to those of us who, those of us who experience COVID, which is everybody listening to this uh, for for the next few years. Uh this was a practice whereby somebody would come ceremonially clean. Rahab was a prostitute. Okay. We don't know how long she was carrying out, you know, this, this profession. Um, but it could have been up until seven days ago. All right. Or, uh, before, or 10 days ago, really, because the spies came to her and then three days later, Israelites take Jericho. So, She needs to be ceremonially clean. This is the Old Testament. She still has to abide by the law, which from our perspective as New Testament believers, Christ has fulfilled. All right, for example, here is a New Testament conversion. Paul, the apostle, back when he went more frequently by his Hebrew name, Saul, at once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. If you've read the book of Acts, if you're with us on our study of the book of Acts, then you... um, You know this story, it's right at the beginning of of this study, right? Uh, He is saved and then immediately is baptized and then eats. (laughs) See, I'm telling you, man, food is important. And he stays with the, the disciples in Damascus for some time, but the text says, immediately, it's like the Gospel of Mark, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues, he is the Son of God. So in Old Testament Israel... Rahab and perhaps her family had to go outside the camp for perhaps seven days. Uh, And then New Testament believers, we no longer have to abide by these Levitical laws. We no longer have to abide by these practices, um, many of which were hygienic in nature anyway. Rather, we see Saul as scales fall from his eyes and verse 20 of Acts 9 says, immediately he went to work proclaiming that Jesus is the son of God. Bit of context here. He was also one of the most highly educated people in all of the world at this time, okay? He was tutored by Gamaliel, uh, who was tutored by Hillel. He is highly educated, highly esteemed. He already knew the entire Old Testament, okay? He had Genesis through Malachi likely memorized effectively. And so he had that huge Old Testament foundation and basis, and he had encountered the resurrected Jesus like an apostle who didn't follow what our Catholic friends would call call apostolic succession. He had a direct encounter with Jesus himself, and he immediately went to work. So if you are a brand new baby Christian, this does not mean that you can then get up and go pastor a church right away. Okay, there's a process for this. It's also prescribed. In fact, it was written by Paul the Apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All right, we call it ordination. You can be uh ordained or commissioned, you know, if God calls you into ministry. But you absolutely as a baby Christian ought to go and share your Faith. In fact, I find that baby Christians are often better evangelists than, you know, the Clint Eastwood Christians, those of us who've been walking with God for a really long time. We can lose the zeal that you as a baby Christian currently have. So while Rahab and her family had to go through an Old Testament process outside the camp and then seven days later were brought back in, when someone gives his or her life to Christ, someone is saved. Okay. Rahab and her family were saved in the physical sense, but now we know that they are also saved in the covenantal sense as she is a part of the hall of faith and the lineage of Jesus. You as a new Testament believer to the glory of God, because of what Jesus did on the cross don't have to go through that process. Okay. When you lead someone to Christ, Christian, send them out right away they may make the occasional theological gaffe but that's what you're there for okay disciple this new believer how do i do that jesse this is what we've been making for two and a half years here at jcm okay take them through the whole process